afternoon, everybody. Wisdom. The quality or state of being wise. Knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. Sagacity, discernment, or insight. Or as Webster would tell us, knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life. Basically, you have a good sense or good judgment, and that would be wisdom. Wisdom is good for those intersections that we face in life. Um, I know for me, I deal with those intersections on a regular basis. I'm a commuter. Um, The last two years have been the longest commutes uh, that I've ever had to take. Uh, The morning is easy. I go from Jersey City down to Staten Island. I cross Staten Island, uh, but now it's a half hour or so. But then after work, uh, what used to be four times a week, now it's twice a week, I have to drive back across Staten Island, battle the Jersey Turnpike, and then I get to that intersection, the George Washington Bridge, which is always a parking lot. I've talked to Michael about this, right? And I have a choice. Can I cross the George Washington Bridge and then travel up New York to get to Westchester, or do I go around and drive up through Jersey, take the Palisades Parkway crossover into Westchester? And I need a little bit of wisdom for that because there's always an accident. I showed the, uh, the high school class today a picture um, it was a screenshot of my GPS, it's Ash, right, you might remember, um, that was just flooded with accidents. It was a funny thing that I had to deal with. Um, but I need a little wisdom at that time. And uh, I do have something that helps me with that. It's called the GPS. And for those of you that drive and use the GPS, sometimes you don't follow that wisdom, do you? Sometimes the, the GPS tells me to follow the George Washington Bridge, but there's a lot of traffic. And I look at the Palisades Way and there's nothing there, and I decide to ignore it take the Palisades way. And ultimately, what happens? I run into something, right? There's going to be a traffic jam of some sort or the other, right? Um, we need to believe that wisdom at times. And the, the scripture reading kind of discusses this. Um, if we look back at James again, I just crossed that. If we go to James, back in chapter 1, the scripture reading was 5 through 8. We're going to focus on 6 and 7. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, and this is regarding wisdom, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And as we're going to talk later, 7, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Um, If we doubt, we may not find our way, uh, because we might not be helped. Um, Wisdom is important. How how is this going to relate to the theme that we've got now, be holy, uh, for I am holy? The wiser we are, the closer we'll be to God, and hopefully holier we will be. Um, I do know that things get a little less holy in my car during times of unusual, or what I perceive as unnecessary traffic, Um, and it's just like that in life with our intersections. Um, We need to wonder, I mean, is there there something that could be out there that maybe we don't know, right? Maybe that traffic that was up ahead on the Palisades Parkway. Um, Maybe um, it, it could be something we just didn't see. Or, as my wife likes to point out, um, maybe God is preventing something bad from happening to us. She always says, well, how can you get mad? What, you know, what if God is saving you from something that could have happened up ahead? And that little bit of wisdom brings me back down off the ledge. Um, yeah, life's intersections, life's traffic. We as people, we like to look for the easy way out, uh, but maybe that easiest way, maybe the truly best way is not apparent to us. Um, you know, because we lack the wisdom to see, discern, 
or even extrapolate the complexities of what's ahead. Um, and that's important. Now that we've kind of introduced that, I, my question to you is, do you have an intersection in your life? Um, do you have an important decision to make? Um, do you need to say something to somebody? Um, maybe you made the wrong decision. Maybe you said the wrong thing. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need some wisdom. I know I do. Um, if that's you, that's great. We can, we can look further. If it's, if it's not, I, mean, I guess that's even better. Uh, but let's look at wisdom um, from the standpoint of Proverbs. So if you don't mind, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to do a reading from Proverbs chapter 1 here in a moment. Proverbs is cool. We talked about it uh, briefly today in the teen class. Um, The Hebrew word uh, translating proverb is a taunt, an oracle, a parable. We're familiar with Jesus' parables, um, full of wisdom, good lessons. Um, It includes short, wise sayings and even some sections of longer discourse that really tell us about the truths and expectations of humanity and human behavior. Um, And we're going to see both directives in there um, if we look, and we're going to see also some suggestions that will guide us through these intersections of life when we're not really sure what to do or we need some help. Um, uh, This morning, uh, Doug had a great sermon. He started talking about um, fear of love and offered some perspectives on that, uh, which is real cool. The first uh, verse that he presented was in Proverbs 1. uh, It was actually verse 7. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. and it's, it's pretty good. And I'm going to take one, uh, I guess, frame of, of, of fear in that. So verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, <clears throat> uh, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So this applies to everybody now. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And here's the important one. The fear of the Lord, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Um, So I'm going to take that frame of fear. We we saw some cool perspectives of it this morning. Um, But the frame of fear like when you fear the heat of the oven, you do your best to avoid getting burned. And likewise, if you have a healthy fear of God, it's going to lead you to discover his intentions. When we're afraid, when we fear God, it's not that we're trying to avoid him. We're maybe trying to avoid those things that set him off. Um, God made all things. His truth would clearly be the only thing that could uh, lead us as people to make the right choices. Uh, I'd like to read uh, part of that section. For those that may not be familiar, as familiar with Proverbs, it's it's pretty good stuff. I do encourage you to, to read it. Um, it's great. It applies to every situation. Uh, we talked about that this morning in the teen class. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You can benefit from it. I'd like to read from Proverbs 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So this reinforces this idea that there's really a one-way approach to wisdom and success um, that we need to follow. And to frame it some more, what is the opposite of the wise who make good decisions? And as we read, that's going to be the fool. And uh, Proverbs 1.7 told us the fool is the one who despises discipline and wisdom. Now, I'm going to describe the fool a little bit to give, to give some perspective here. And this is going to be from the perspective of Proverbs. Um, if Wes were here, he would tell me that I need to bullet this in a PowerPoint. 
Um, I do apologize. I did not do that. But if you would like these specific passages, I'd be more than happy to give them to you afterwards. But in terms of Proverbs, fools are those who hate knowledge, chapter 1, verse 22, and correction of any kind, 12.1, who are quick to quarrel, 20, verse 3, and give full vent to their anger, chapter 29, verse 11, who are complacent, 1.32, who trust in themselves, 28.26, rather than in God, which is described further in Psalm 14, uh, verse 1. So, the, I mean, if you, if you look at this, you can see how messed up the fool is. Um, but how many of us fall into one of these categories? Uh, one of the things we talked about this morning in teen class is, is the giving full vent to anger. Because that's just something that a lot of teens do, right? And a lot of adults do as well. But, you know, the question was asked, who does it? And just about everybody in there said that they do it. I've done it too. And it feels good, right, to, to release all that anger. But one of the impressive things that was mentioned in the group um, is that they all recognize that, yeah, but when you do that, there's some damage that's done. There's no turning back, and you always regret it. You always regret giving that full thing to anger. And we didn't even have to go there, really, because Proverbs told us don't do that, right? We should have paid attention. Um, that one may not relate to anybody here, but I'm going to pick one out that I think does. The first one was the fool hates correction of any kind. Does anybody in here like to be told that they're wrong? No, right? Does anybody like to be corrected? No. No, no. I know I sure don't. But if we look at Proverbs 12.1, that's what I had mentioned before, I'm going to read that. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. And I do translation. Now, growing up, my sister and I would call each other stupid all the time, and now that I read Proverbs 12.1, I realize she was right, because I don't like to be told that I'm wrong. But what does this verse actually tell us? It actually tells us it's okay to make mistakes, but it's as long as we accept that correction and we learn from it. Right? It's the person that doesn't want the correction at all that's a fool. But if you accept that correction, you're not. So the fear of the Lord and compliance with his will is the very beginning of wisdom and good decisions. Anything else will open the door to destruction. So now that we have a a feel for what wisdom is, I want to look a little deeper at James to kind of frame where we are as individuals today. Going back to James 1, um, verse 5. It starts off with, if any of you lacks wisdom. Um, We don't always know what to do or we might be in a temporary state of lacking wisdom due to other stimuli, uh, things that can fall, you know, that can come about are work problems, maybe relationship problems, financial problems are huge. Um, and, and here's the real bad one, is insufficient understanding of one's situation. Maybe your boss, your incompetent boss, let's put it that way, maybe your incompetent boss is all over you about stuff. Meanwhile, he thinks you're incompetent. Maybe you got all these things to worry about, right? But you can't deal with them right now because the life is being too difficult. Or maybe it's you that's being too difficult, right? And that can be any relationship. And, uh, and even financial problems. Maybe you know how much you owe on that debt, but maybe you really don't understand the ramifications of interest and compounding interest and what you actually owe to keep that debt alive. There's a lot of different things out there. All of us are going to be different, but one thing that we have in common is that we all need help, we all need wisdom, and the 
face our lack of wisdom, we will never ask for it. And remember, that was the point of the, of the passage there. The arrogant fool believes they are not in need or refuses um, to acknowledge their lack of wisdom. And then from here, bad decisions are likely to be made. In fact, compounding bad decisions are likely to be made. Um, consider a real bad decision. We call this the gambler's folly. Um, you make a bet and you lose. What do you do next? Well, you double your next bet, right? Recoup your losses, right? Of course, that's what you do. Now, that's bad. In the long run, you're going to lose. Any casino's business model is based on probability that is against you. Right? We can't trust on impulse. We can't trust on ourselves. That's just not wise, especially based on our look at the beginnings of wisdom. So, has God created a demand for wisdom in your heart today or at any time? Or do you face a situation that you can't figure out, don't know which way to turn? Um, if not, great. But if so, great. Because now we're ready for step two. Step one was acknowledging that we need that wisdom. So let's look at step two. Going back um, from verse five of James one, it said, uh, it, this is for those seeking wisdom. Um, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. supply wisdom to those who ask. We see that. But why ask God? Why? And if we look back at the beginning of Proverbs 4, we see that true wisdom does not simply come from a long life of experiences. Life is way too short, as we know. All of us need wisdom, and a lot of us have different levels of experience we're going to be at. No, we've got to get it right the first time. We need to get this passed down to us from God. We need that wisdom from God. Which then brings about the question, can we accept wisdom that doesn't come directly from God? Well, we should be cautious not to simply and immediately accept everything we hear. But similarly, we should be cautious when offering emotionally charged wisdom to others. Has anybody ever been in that situation? Um, here are two proverbs, not proverbs, but these are you know, worldly proverbs that you may have heard. They, they make a good point, and then we're going to look at the biblical side of things. Um, a closed mouth gathers no one I really like. Better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and dispel all doubts. I like that one there. Um, are these concepts biblical? Yes, they are. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. That's interesting. Gotta keep that mouth shut. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Remember how we characterize the fool? That's bad news. A man who speaks in haste is worse than that. And then let's look at the New Testament a little bit. James 1, 19-20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Um... Who's to say that the wisdom didn't come from God? Right? Uh, my grandma is full of wisdom. She would never say anything wrong. Right? You probably have somebody like that in your life. And that's cool. But the point is, if what is said, if we, if we are quick to listen, right, but slow to speak, if we really consider what's happening here, um, 
and, and the advice we get is part of God's will, then I think it's wise to share in this idea. Um, look at worldly advice. What is Dr. Phil or Oprah going to tell you that God can't? Right? Um, what do they really focus on? A lot of times they focus on self-improvement through self-fulfillment. And that's a dangerous place that we're in um, as a society today. The world is, is all about that. We're all about self-fulfilling desires. But where is the wisdom to keep you from crossing that line of simply fulfilling desires and feeding addictions? And a major thing that we, that we need to worry about. They're not going to give you that advice. Only God can give that advice. Where is wisdom if it's not from God? What have you actually achieved or have you been blinded and deceived by accepting wisdom that's not from God? Which is something we need to carefully consider. All right, so what if we're in agreement and we do ask God for wisdom? We recognize what wisdom is, we see that we need it, and now we're ready to ask God for wisdom. God will give, according to James 1.5, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. He knows we need it, he's going to throw it out to us without reserve. And the best part about it is he's not going to give it to us with disappointment, negative judgment, or even insult. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where maybe you dreaded asking for something? Right? Maybe, maybe it's getting a ride. Maybe it's a question about fixing a car or a computer. It could be anything, but you, you feel embarrassed, or maybe you feel like you owe somebody for the rest of your life, or you can't live it down. You don't want to appear stupid. Uh, that's not the case here. A lot of times, if you've ever had to ask for money, there's a real weird feeling. If I have to ask my parents for money, I feel weird about that. It would be even worse if I won the lottery, lost it, and had to ask my parents. But we don't need to worry about the judgment or the guilt that we might face in that regard. Because God gave us everything, and when we don't know what to do for any reason, including losing what we've got, um, he wants us to come back to him, and there is no ill feeling about it at all. You get a really good, uh, good summary of this in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to actually read this uh, passage here. In Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, I'm going to read to 11. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I think that sums it up right there. Are you ready to ask for wisdom today? We see that God will dispense it for the good and improvement of your life. And you don't need to worry. He's not going to talk negatively about you when he does so. He's not going to turn to his angels or to Jesus and be like, look at this loser, right? Or look at this disappointment as he reluctantly, you know, doles out wisdom. It's not going to work that way. It's not the case. So if you're ready, there is still one more piece to this great deal that we need to consider. And this is going to come from uh, James 1, verses 6 through 8. This is going to be concerning that request for wisdom. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. We need to approach this with trust. We can't expect um, 
you know, the wisdom, or, or try to push wisdom in the direction that we want, our own desires, our own bias, which is something that I think we do a lot of times. I know I've done that in the past. The doubt discussed here is less of a, he isn't going to help me. It's more of a, he's not going to help me the way that I want him to. Right? Has anybody been in that situation? Um, an illustration. We'll go back to the, the conflict with the boss, right? You want wisdom. You want, you want a solution to the problem, maybe. You're not going to pray to God, at least I hope not. God, I'm, I'm having this issue with the boss. Please help me find a way to embarrass him. Or please let me find a way to stifle him. Better yet, can you, can you kill him for me, please? Like, that's, that's, not gonna, that's ridiculous, right? We're not going to do that. Yet, if we try to take God's wisdom and try to bend it to our own desires, aren't we kind of doing that? Aren't we kind of taking away from what God wants? Another method of doubting would be to accept the wisdom in some areas, but not others. Right? What if you're in a questionable situation, and God's wisdom concludes, you know, you probably shouldn't be there. Yet, you're still looking to stay, and you're still looking for some guidance in the situation that you shouldn't be in. Um, when I was at uh, the University of Delaware, we had a campus minister, Dave Blackwell. He was a funny guy. Uh, he gave me a strong piece of advice one day. He told me, with regard to looking for a wife, he said, don't look for a wife at a bar. I was like, okay. That was, that was pretty interesting, right? Um, another possible illustration of maybe where you shouldn't be. Um, you've heard of the passage, um, the borrower slave to the lender. Right? Well, what if you're like, God, you know, I'm, I'm in debt. I need to get out of debt. Um, you know, please give me the wisdom to choose the right sequence of numbers to win the Powerball so I can pay off my bookie. Right? No, that's, that's not what we're looking for. There, right? that's, that's, taking, that's taking this thing way out of the context that you would desire. We can't do this our way. We need to gain wisdom through the directives and examples of the Bible. And you would think, with all the consequences that we've seen over time, Shouldn't we be smarter? Right? Don't we seem to make all the same mistakes that our elders made that tried to teach us not to do? Right? I know my dad used to tell me, like, I went through all this. I don't want you going through it either. And then somehow we end up talking about how we both went through it. You know? and, and that's not wise. Right? We need to recognize the consequences of man and not to be afraid to see God if we fall into the same snares that came before us as well. Um, consider... Adam and Eve, the mistakes of Adam and Eve. We have it right from the beginning. Um, consider the knowledge that we do know from experience. You know what's going to happen. Don't touch the electric fence. Right? We talked about that one this morning. Now, we need to instead follow God's instructions. We need to fully believe and stay away from bad situations. Let God guide us through the ones that we do stumble into. Um, we can't trust ourselves. Trusting God must be real, committed, and in line with His will, or we should expect nothing. Right? We can't doubt. According to James, God will flood us with wisdom, giving us the best possible approach to life and decisions therein. But we must properly seek it. It has to be proper. I actually saw something kind of, I, I thought it was funny, on the internet that kind of related to, to this. It was it was about a faculty meeting at a school, and the principal was leading this faculty meeting, and all the staff were there, and an angel appeared in the middle of the faculty meeting, right, just appeared, and looked at the principal and said, you know, you have been selfless and your behavior exemplary. God wants to reward you. 
he's going to give you your choice of infinite wealth, infinite wisdom, or infinite beauty. Well, the principal was a good guy. He was good. So he said, I want the infinite wisdom. He took the infinite wisdom. And Angel said, cool. Poof, disappeared. And all the staff then turned and looked at the principal because he was, he was glowing at this point. He was back with a halo of light around him. He was just basking in all this wisdom that he had. And finally somebody in the staff was like, say something. And he looked at everybody in there and he said, I should have taken the money. Right? <laughs> That's flawed, right? That's completely flawed. And actually, one of the closing passages that I did want to look at addresses that and and frames um, wisdom a little bit more. Being wise is important to God, but the desire for wisdom is extremely important. Let's look at uh, 1 Kings. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 3. And this will show us even the flaw in that story. 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start, actually I'm going to start in 5. I was going to start in 7, but let's start in 5. We're talking about Solomon. We, we all know about Solomon. Um, wisest man to walk the earth other than Jesus, so we think, right? Um, he was a wise guy. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on this throne, sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right, right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people? The Lord was pleased with Sol- that Solomon had asked for this. And God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise, discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. But it doesn't stop there. In 13, it says, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no people among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So God is all about the desire for wisdom. And if we read on uh, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, we would see that this wasn't just a dream. This actually happened. God gave him that wisdom and, and, and proved it to him. So I encourage you to think about maybe those things that aren't going right in your life, that maybe aren't clear, the unknown. It's going to be different for all of us. And the the paths you're on, maybe you know that aren't right up God's alley. I want you to think about those. I encourage you to read Proverbs as you study. Think about how the sayings relate to your lives. I encourage you to let go. Put your trust in God. Seek the wisdom He has confirmed is waiting for us. And it is tough. It's humbling to think about it. Um, and really, it's, it's pretty humbling for me to stand here and say it, because I know that I probably need it more than anybody. I really do. So we know the path to wisdom is through God's will, and it requires belief. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith and belief, it is impossible to please God. He will reward those who earnestly seek Him. If we confess and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, repent and are baptized, our sins will be forgiven, and God would dwell in us. 
1 John 4.15, Acts 2.38. So at this time, I'd like to invite anyone who's in need of and would like to fulfill this important submission and relationship step to come forward. Um, during the invitation song, if there's anybody with a need of any kind, you are also invited to come forward and unburden yourself. Receive the prayers of the church as we stand and sing.